0: It's awesome. And uh some of some of the boys didn't like that song that much. But by the end of the week it was so stuck in their head they couldn't help but sing it. And the best part of that is they were learning Ephesians 2:10 while they were singing the song. So that's what's so really good. And now I know Ephesians 2:10 because they've sung that song so many times. Right, Cody? Yeah. We're going to open up our Bibles together to the book of Jude. So, if you have your Bible, go ahead and pull that out. If you don't have a physical Bible, but you have your smartphone, go ahead and turn on your your Bible app on your smartphone, pull that out, and uh, go to the book of Jude. And if you're having to use the table of contents to find it, hey, no big deal. It's okay. Don't be ashamed to use the table of contents if you need to. But just to help you out, if you go to the end of your Bible... And then you turn back just a book, then you'll be there at Jude, okay? Right before the book of Revelation. All right, so the book of Jude is where we are. We were there last week, and we heard Jude say to the church, which is all of the churches, those are those churches in Jesus Christ that are called and beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, and somebody said, That's me, okay? Because I'm called and I'm beloved. That's you if you know Jesus. And so as Jude is writing, he's writing to all of us Christians, okay? And he says he wanted to write to us about our common salvation, but he found it more necessary to write about what was happening in the church and what is still happening today. So he said, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. So, last time we were together... We heard Jude talk about why we need to contend for our faith in the world around us. We heard the why. Today we're going to hear Jude tell us how we should contend for the faith. This uh, past week, week before last, sorry, uh, Miss Kathy Llewellyn led a few of us out into the community with flyers in our hands to knock on doors and invite people to come to, to bring their children to uh, Vacation Bible School. And so we were out, up and down the streets here in the Myrtle Grove area, and we're passing out the flyers, and we're getting sweaty, and it's rained a little bit, and all of these things. I'm getting down toward the end of the street where I was going to go and pass out my flyers, and there's, this, there's a nice brick house down there, and I said, okay, I'm going to hit this house real quick, and I, I went through the gate, and uh, which... It wasn't locked. I've heard several people say that Brother Josh broke in. But that's not true. I, that didn't happen. I did not break in. Okay? It wasn't locked. It just had a little clip on it. I took the clip off. Okay? Not a big deal. No dog. I checked to make sure. Okay? I'm not, I'm not an idiot. I checked to make sure there wasn't a Rufus in there ready to bite me. So I, I uh, went up to the door, knocked on the door. No one came. I said, okay, well, nobody's here about 30 seconds after that, I heard someone come out of the house next door. And she says, hey, what are you doing on my property? Get off my property. She was being very contentious. And so I immediately began backing up off of the property back to the gate. And the whole time she's yelling at me. And I said, "I'm i just here inviting people to vacation Bible school. See, I've got I got the flyer. Here's the flyer. Just vacation Bible school. No, you get off and you don't ever come back." And she was blah blah the whole time. And then thankfully, I had a couple of the guys with me, and you know they were saying, "Come on, let's get away from here." And we left. And I got I've just wondered about that ever since. Why did she feel so contentious? See, here's the thing. Christians are called to contend for the faith that you have. You're called to contend for the faith in the world around you. And that means to stand up for the truth of who Jesus is. Share the gospel boldly and don't back down from that truth. We're called to contend, but here's the thing. Christians are called to contend without being contentious. Now this is a really important point because, because, see, Jude, he wants us to tell people about Jesus And call people out of their sin. But He wants us to love them while we're doing it. Now that's a hard balance to have. Especially when people are hurting us. Whenever they're talking bad about us. Whenever they're contentious toward us. It's a hard thing to do. But this is what Jude calls us to do. So stand with me. Let's hear Jude's words today. Jude chapter, well, there's no chapters. Jude verse 17. Jude verse 17. Okay? But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles. I'm going to just hold on just a second. and Miss Sue, is it, is it still giving us trouble? Okay. Y'all, we want to apologize to you because our program, our software that we've had, has crashed about 18 times this morning. For some reason. And it's not just our church. It's every church that uses the same platforms having the same trouble. So if this thing is lagging, it's not Miss Sue's fault. Okay, I just want to tell you that right now. So if there's something going on here, it's not her. She's doing a fantastic job up there in the sound booth. Okay, thank you Miss Sue. You got your encouragement this morning. Let's go. Verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless... Before the presence of His glory, with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. Amen. Man, what a beautiful doxology. Let us pray together, and give God glory for His Word. Father, we thank You, dear Lord, for calling us into Your presence this morning. Lord, to giving us the hope of our salvation One day, Lord, we're going to see you return in great glory and majesty and authority and power. And we will reign with you forever, Lord. Lord, we look forward to that moment. In the meantime, God, you have called us to be your witnesses here on this earth, to be contending for our faith, Lord. To stand up and stand boldly as we proclaim the gospel. But, Lord, we know that there are going to be those in the world that laugh at us and mock us, Lord, because they did the same thing to you. But, Lord, help us to be... Contending for the faith, while still loving those that hate us. Lord, I pray that this word would sink deeply into every heart. You would change us from within. And we'd be more like Christ Jesus as we depart. And we'd live out our faith as we go out through those doors. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Can you contend without being contentious? Now, I want to give you three points that hopefully you can remember that Jude is illustrating for us and the things that he's saying on how we can contend for our faith without being contentious. Number one, okay? Number one, be in the world, but not of the world. Be in the world and not of the world. Now, this is a theme you see throughout the New Testament, but there's great contrast here in the first couple of verses that we read in, in uh, verses 17 Uh, Through 19. Notice what he says to begin with. In verse 17. He uses that word but. Okay. And and the reason he's using that but. Is because he's just described. What worldly scoffers are like. What the people outside. This place are like. The ones that don't know the Lord Jesus. How in their hearts. they, They are against God. And the things of God. He goes on to talk about their rebellion. He talks about how. They're different people that, that feed themselves. And they, they're waterless clouds. They're fruitless trees in late autumn. They're twice dead. They're wild ways of the sea. And the gloom of darkness is reserved for them. And judgment is coming upon them. Sound, I mean, that doesn't sound like a good state to be in. Paul talks about these same kinds of people. And he said, they're without hope and they're without God in the world. I've been around all kinds of different people, but I can tell you there's only really two kinds of people in the world. There's those that know the Lord Jesus and those that don't. There's two different types of people in the world. And the thing is, he puts the butt right there in the middle of the the letter to the church to let them know that there ought to be contrast between those types of people and the person that you claim to be as a Christian. There needs to be a great contrast. You know, the, the contrast... Uh, dial that you used to have on a TV. You remember the old projection TVs and, and they had a contrast knob on there? I had no idea what that was whenever I was a kid. I just liked to play with it and watch it go, this weird colors, and no, back to that. And I, I didn't know what it did. I still don't know what it does. But I do know what contrast means, and contrast means that you can define the difference between light and darkness. That's what it is contrast, lightness, and darkness those that are of the day and those that are of the night, those that know Him and those that don't, the sheep and the goats, the good fish and the bad fish, the wheat and the tares. And that's what the difference ought to be clear and clear the closer we get to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's what He wants us to understand, that we need to be in the world, but not of the world. Remember what He says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers. And somebody ought to say, Well, when is the last time? I'm glad you asked. It was every day after Jude wrote this book. That's the last time. We are living in the last days today. The coming of the Lord Jesus is sooner than it ever has been before. And we got to be ready. And we need to be living in the world, but not of the world. Well, what does it mean to live in the world? Well, he says that in the world, there's going to be scoffers. And and he's quoting from what Peter said. Peter wrote this in 2 Peter 3. 3. He said, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing following their own sinful desires. It's almost word for word what Jude says. He's quoting Peter. Apparently, Jude and Peter had talked before which is pretty interesting, pretty neat. It gives credence to the book that Jude really is the brother of James and also the brother of the Lord Jesus. He knew these guys. And he heard firsthand from them. And they told Jude, hey Jude, guess what? In the last days, there's going to be a great falling away and a lot of people are going to turn against the the faith. A lot of people are going to turn against Christians. And they're going to scoff. Well, what does it mean to scoff? I was going to talk about is that is that kind of like like sneezing and coughing at the same time? You're scoffing? Have you ever had, ever had that happen to you? It burns, doesn't it? It doesn't feel good. But that's not what it's talking about, okay? So scoffing is a word that's used in the Bible to describe someone who mocks the faith. Someone who mocks the Lord. Someone who is a blasphemer. And they speak evil of not just God, but the people of God. So you and me. They talk bad about us. They talk down to us. They contend against us in a contentious way. These are scoffers. And it says, in the last time, they're going to come. And this is the same apostate group that Jude is talking about earlier in the book. And he's reminding them that the apostles said that this would happen. That we know that it's going to happen. And some of them are going to make their way into the church. And so he warns about that. They're against God. They're atheists. Now we know that that's not just been happening since Christ was crucified. It happened at the crucifixion. And it's been happening since the beginning of time. But listen to what happens at the crucifixion, Mark 15. And with him, they crucified two two robbers. Do you remember the story? Jesus is hanging on the cross. Two robbers. One on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself? Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross, and we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with Him also reviled Him. But even from the very beginning, people have been mocking. Imagine what they did to Noah for just a minute. Here's Noah. From what we can gather from Old Testament witness... It had never rained on the earth before. The Bible had talked about a mist that came up out of the earth that watered the land. But here's Noah building a gigantic boat in the middle of an arid climate. Here he is, (laughs) hammering away at the boat. Peter calls Noah a preacher of righteousness, but here they are mocking and scorning even until the floodwaters rust upon the earth and consume them all. You know, that's a picture of the last times. Jesus uses that illustration and says, that's exactly the way it's going to be before the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. So you imagine, they've been doing that this whole time. David warns us about getting into the group with the scoffers. Listen to what he says in uh, Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the council of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You know, this is a downward progression there. At first, someone is walking in the council of the wicked. I mean, they're just walking by. Then they're standing in the way of sinners. They're there on the path with them. Then they're sitting in the seat with the scoffers. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's going to be a day that every person who has ever scoffed at the Lord are going to see him face to face. They're going to stand before him. And the Lord's going to have the last laugh, He's going to have the last word. And everything that they said here on this earth. About Him, they'll be ashamed of in that moment. The Bible says we don't have to be like that. You don't have to be like that. And we don't have to be those kinds of people. We're called to be different. We're called to stand up for our faith in Jesus. We're called that one day, as we live for Him, when He returns to receive us, that we won't be ashamed in His presence. We won't be like those who shrink back. We will be like those who stand Before the Lord, blameless, because we were never of the world. We lived in the world, but we were not of the world. Now, what does it mean to live in the world, though? We get the part about not being of the world. Jesus said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, as he prayed in the garden. He says, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, as Jesus prayed that prayer, what He knew was, He was about to be snatched up out of the world. And He was going to ascend into heaven. And He would leave His Holy Spirit here with us. But He was leaving the church behind. You get that? That doesn't feel real good, does it? I don't like to get left behind. How many of you like to get left behind? Or get left out? Any of you? So here's the thing. We're not there yet, folks. Why are we left here? We're left here to be a witness. And this is what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. What it means is that each, each and every day as you go out into the marketplace and you go out into places of education, you go out into the world that you live in, your neighborhood, where your family and your friends are, where your neighbors are, where your coworkers are, where your fellow Walmart shoppers are, or, or wherever you go. That your own mission for the glory of Jesus Christ. That you're living for Him. You're not living for yourself, but you're living for Him. He says about these other people. He says, "In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly desires, ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions. Worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. Now, this is what this is what you need to get here. I've heard people talk about worldly Christians. You ever heard somebody call somebody a worldly Christian? I've heard people say that. That is an oxymoron. If you're a worldly Christian, you're an oxymoron. I'm not trying to make fun of you. If you remember back from, Eng- from English literature, what an oxymoron is, right? It's a contradiction, right? It's, it's like two words that you put together that don't go together. Like jumbo shrimp. It just doesn't go together, right? You know? Okay, so that's an oxymoron. Would well, to call someone a worldly Christian? It's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. And here's the thing. A Christian can live like the world, but they're going to be miserable. The Holy Spirit of God is going to convict that person, and they're going to be absolutely miserable living like the world. But if you can live like the world and you have no regard for the things of God, you ought not call yourself a Christian. You're not a Christian. And that's what Jude says. The person that can live the way that he's described in all of these passages and scoff at God, that person never had the Holy Spirit. They're devoid of the Holy Spirit. They don't know Christ. They're not a Christian. So, when you live like the world, Christian, hear me. When you live like the world, you absolutely destroy your witness. There ought to be such a contrast in the way that you live and you walk. That all the world knows that you know Jesus. Matthew five sixteen, And it's similar to what we've already been learning here with the kids all week in Ephesians two ten that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen to what Jesus said. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The darker the world becomes around you, the brighter your light should shine. So be in the world, but not of the world. Here's point number two. Hate the sin, but what? Love the sin. How do you all do that? I did some research trying to figure out where this came from. This actually came from, the idea of this actually came from some of Augustine's work. Like a long, long, long long time ago. And uh, as he's writing to nuns. All right. He's writing a letter to nuns. It's his letter, Letter 2.11 by Augustine. He says in that letter, Love people, but hate their sin. And basically what he's saying is, You all aren't getting along very well as nuns. And the problem is, You're not really loving each other the way Christ has loved you. And so, we hate the sin, But we love the sinner. And what I mean by that is, what, Exactly what Jude says. He says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. But back up verse 20, he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Spirit. So what does he call this? It's the same phrase he's already used once. But you, beloved. Everybody say, I'm beloved. I'm beloved by God. I am. as As he says this, he's reminding them of who they are in Christ. That they're a totally different breed of people, a totally different race of people. That they are the beloved in Christ Jesus. What does that mean for us? Well, that means that God loved me and you so much that He sent His one and only Son. And He died for us. And if you believe that, you become instantly, you are changed and you become the beloved of God. You're adopted by Him. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. So he says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Now, he gives us these three um, participles. And then one command, build yourselves up. Be bodybuilders, feeding your faith. You can either feed the things of the world, or you can feed the things of the flesh, or you can feed your faith. It's one or the other. And he calls us to feed our faith, build ourselves up. And then he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we're building up our faith. And then we're constant in our prayers. We're spending time on our knees in prayers. And this is how we can contend with the world without being contentious. Praying in the Holy Spirit. And then he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Look at what it says again in verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. We think about waiting on Jesus to come. You can... You can wait anxiously, or you can wait hopefully. One or the other. I'm waiting hopefully because I know He's coming. But if you're waiting hopefully, then you're preparing for His return. If you're waiting anxiously about all of these things, you're running around like a chicken with no head. And there's a a big contrast in the way Christians live that way. Are you waiting, hopefully, prepared for the day that Jesus will come? I hope you are. And so he says to wait. And then verse 23. Now this is an interesting verse. He says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Whenever I was, whenever Taylor was a little bit younger, and uh, we we didn't have the other two yet, we decided to take Taylor camping, and we were out camping with him, and actually, Caleb may have been born by then, but we had taken Taylor out camping, and we, at the end of the evening, we sat around the campfire. Taylor was really interested in the fire, poking He was just like any other boy, but, you know, he got to playing around and kind of running, trotting around a little bit. And then he got a little bit too close, and he was about to stumble headlong into the fire. And I grabbed him just in time. And I'm really glad that I grabbed him just in time, or else Allison would have thrown me in. And so I grabbed him out of there. I snatched him out of the fire. And here's, a, here's the illustration. The idea that he's already given is that one day, a fiery judgment is coming upon every single person. Who denies the Lord Jesus Christ and rejects His offer of salvation. That's the truth. And folks, that does not have to be you today. You do not have to go into that fiery place. Okay? And here's the thing. What we as believers are called to do, Christians, you listen to me. Our job is to share the only hope that they have, the only lifeline that they have, to snatch them out of that lake of fire. Our job is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with every person that we have. Every person that we encounter, that's our job. You're a lifesaver. You're a firefighter. And folks, whenever we decide we're going to take ourselves out of that fight, eternity is at stake. That's the why that we saw last week. Well, where's, here's the how snatch them. How do you snatch somebody? You see them standing on the tracks, you, you run and the train's coming, you run over and you knock them down, right? Now, that's metaphorical. Don't run and knock people down. I mean, I don't want you leaving church and going and tackling people at Denny's, okay? Or wherever you go, Sonny's, or wherever you go. But the point is, there's got to be some urgency about what Christ has called us to do. Here's the thing. We're not contending for our faith. We're hoping that someone else will go. Whenever Christ has called you and me to go. Maybe there's somebody that God has just put on your mind and in your heart, just right now in this moment. Don't wait for tomorrow to do what Christ has called you to do today. How many stories have, have been told about, I knew Christ told me, and I waited too long, and now I regret it we think about sin and how sin is that fire that consumes the righteous indignation of God that consumes the sinner, all sin hurts us. So compassion motivates us to go for those people. Proverbs 6 says, 27 says, Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Listen, if you play around with sin, you are going to get burned. And those of us who know what the Bible says that God says about sin, that that's evil, that it's wrong, the reason God says it is because He knows that it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt them. And it will eventually lead to their total destruction, those who who do these things that God forbids. And so God sends us to them. With the good news. To say, I know a way that you can be set free from your sin. I know how you can. God's Word teaches us to hate sin, but love the sinner. Now he goes on and says, this last line, listen to what he says. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by sin. Now, he says, have mercy on those that doubt. And we think about that. Those who are weak in their faith need to be encouraged. They don't need to be criticized. When you see a brother or sister that is sinning, you need to say to them, hey, let's not do that. That's not what God says. And you have mercy on them, not criticizing them, not casting them out. And then verse 23, save him by snatching them out of the fire. And then show mercy with fear. Why does he say, show mercy with fear? Now the word fear here is a a reverent respect. And what he's saying is understanding that if you get too close to what they're doing, you could get burned too. In other words, someone suffering from alcohol addiction, and you have suffered with alcohol addiction before, it's probably not the best idea for you to go to the bar with them to try to witness to them. you get that? Now that's just a practical application of what he's saying. But don't get too close to the fire or you might be burned too. And then he goes on to say, hate the garment that's stained by sin. Look, he said, sin pollutes things around us. There's certain places that as a Christian you should never go. I don't care if you say, I'm going to witness. You don't go to witness at the strip club. Interesting story though. There was a church that I got a chance to put a metal roof on that was built in a strip club, where a strip club used to be, I should say, up up in Bradshaw Mountain in West Virginia. And uh, <laughs> the the uh, pulpit and all and the platform where the preacher preaches now is where at one time there used to be a pole that went down from the ceiling all the way to the floor. Really did. I mean, it's a real place. But there are certain places in your life that, as a Christian, you don't belong there. There are certain activities where you shouldn't engage in. There are certain websites. I want all the young people to hear me on this real quick. you all paying pay, pay attention? Okay, awesome. There are certain places on the internet that you shouldn't be. And I, that doesn't just go for them. That's all you all too. Unfiltered internet is a garment stained by the flesh. It's, it's a fire pit waiting on you to fall into. And so, we can have mercy on those people. We can love them. And we can love them right where, we, where they are without going to where they are. Amen? And here's the thing. The reason that we hate the sin and love the sinner is because we know that sin is going to hurt them. But we also know that God loves them. And God loves them enough that He sent His one and only Son for them. And so we hate their sin, but we love the sinner. But here's the thing, and and, and Jesus loves us just as we are. But He loves us far too much to let us stay that way. He calls us right out of it. And so this is how we contend for the faith without being contentious. And here's how you can love the sin and... Without Love the sinner without loving the sin. We love them incessantly. You can, you can manipulate and you can control, but you can never lead someone like Jesus if you don't love them. Let the Spirit convict them. You, you don't have to be the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. The Holy Spirit is far better at it than you are. You pray for them, you love them, and then you leave room for the wrath of God. If you take out your anger on someone who's being contentious, You've lost your witness. So hate the sin, love the sinner. And here's the last point. So the first point is be in the world, but not of the world. The second point is hate the sin, love the sinner. And the third point is hold on to the one who is holding you. And then we look at this doxology in the last part of Jude in in verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time now and forever. And somebody said amen to that. Jude ends on this high note to remind us about as we're here in the world and we're contending for the faith to not forget who's holding us all the while, that we belong to Him and nothing is going to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's really important to remember that as you go out there because here's the thing. People are going to scoff at you. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to do bad things to you to try to hurt you that's going to happen if you're a believer in Christ if you're doing if you're worth anything for the kingdom of God but you got to remember this they did it all to Jesus first they laughed at him they mocked him they scourged him they scoffed at him they beat him they put a crown of thorns on his head put a cross on his back Oh, wait, let me, let me back this up and just remember. They lashed him on his back. He pulled his beard out. They hit him. Not just one time, many blows is what the Bible says. And they said, as they had his head covered in a sack, they said, prophesy and tell us who hit you. But then they led him up the hill and they stretched him out they nailed his hands and his feet and then they lifted him up suspended him above the earth They did all that to our savior To him who is able to keep you from stumbling See he he didn't stay on that cross They put him in the ground in a tomb, in a rich man's tomb. And they covered that tomb with a stone. They rolled a massive stone in front of it. And then they sealed it up. They put all these seals on the outside of it that were a warning to anybody that would try to break into that tomb. Then they put a guard, they put a centurion guard in front of that tomb. Two of them. Or at least two of them. To guard the tomb. We don't want this dead man coming out, in other words. He's caused enough trouble already. Then count it down with me. One day, two days, three days. And guess what happened? Lightning, thunder... The ground shook, the stone was rolled away, and the tomb was empty. He was alive, and He's still alive, and He's never going to (laughs) die. He died once and for all, for all the sins of mankind, and here's the thing. He's alive in your heart and in my heart, and He's holding us together. All things are being held together by His power. That's you, and that's me. He's holding us Listen to what David said about the same Lord. He said in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot to be let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I love that word forevermore. It's a promise. And it means that for those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, eternity belongs to them. Before all time, now, and forever, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you holding on to Him? I don't know who it is in your life, that you're going to encounter this week. I don't know who they are, but someone is going to be contentious with you. Someone, because they're a scoffer, and they're devoid of the Holy Spirit, are going to take an issue with you sometime this week. That's just the way it is if you're out there in the world. If you're hiding in your basement... Maybe not. But if you're hiding in your basement, you're not contending for your faith, that's for sure. But if you are contending for your faith, someone is going to try to get contentious with you. What will your response be in that moment? Have you lived a life that's in the world but not of the world, so that when they try to say something bad about you, they can't? Do you love them enough that even whenever they revile you and they speak evil against you, you can still speak peaceably to them, share the good news, the hope that's within you with them without being contentious? And in that moment, you reach out and grab hold of the Spirit's hand and ask Him to lead you in what you say. Can you contend for your faith without being contentious? I know you can. It's to that end that I want to pray for you. So you bow your head, close your eyes. Today, if you're a believer in this place and you truly do set in your heart to say, I am going to stand up for my faith, then you need this prayer. You need to hear the Lord speaking to you and saying, I've got you. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who know you here today that, Lord, as they are presented with the opportunities this week to stand firm in their faith, to be truth-tellers, to love sinners just like You did, but to hate sin and stand against it, Lord, I pray that You would let them know that You have got them, that You are holding them, Lord, and that their security is in You. It's not in how people treat them, but it's in You. And that they may be able to contend without being contentious. And if there's some of you here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus, you heard me talk about the one who died for you. But up to this point, there's been a question mark in your head about all of it. But the Spirit is leading you today to put your faith in Jesus. And and you're saying, "I, I want to do that the first thing you need to do is admit that you need Him, that you're a sinner. And there there is a fiery hell that's waiting for you without a Savior. And so I want to lead you in a prayer to trust Jesus as your Savior. It's a simple prayer, but it's your admission to God that you're a sinner, your statement of belief in Jesus, your confession that you want Him to be your Lord and Savior. And so you pray this prayer with me. If you mean it with all your heart, just say this, dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I've done things I, I know are wrong. And I have failed to do the things that I know are right. And I deserve the penalty for my sin. But Jesus, I, I do believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And that three days later, you were raised and you're alive today. And you are going to come back. So Jesus, I ask You to forgive my sin. Make me a new person. I confess You as my Savior and my Lord. Thank You for dying for me, forgiving me of my sin, and I'll spend the rest of my life loving You and serving You. And it's in Your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with us? This is our time of invitation, and what that means is this is an opportunity for you to respond to what the Lord Jesus has spoken to your heart if you're looking for a place to, to call home, to say, okay, I want to serve Jesus and I want to do it with the people of God, Murdoch Baptist Church is, a, is the perfect place for you to come and serve. doesn't mean we're perfect people. It just means that this is where God would have you to be, where you can serve along the saints. And if you know that that's true of you, then this is your invitation to come and join us. If you need prayer today, and you come. And if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior today during this service, we want to celebrate with you. We want to give you the opportunity to be, to be baptized. We want to give you resources for your discipleship. And so you come. Don't hold that in. Let us know so we can welcome you into the family of faith. This is your invitation. You use it as the Lord would have you. Let us sing together.